When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to talk uh, a bit about your new album, Living in Oz. And uh, this is, might be an obvious question or whatever, but uh, is there any connection between the title of Living in Oz to Australia? Because I know sometimes that's yeah. a nickname for Yeah, that's right. Um, it is. The, the so- uh, there's a song in it called Living in Oz, which originally I'd planned it to be uh, within the song, the story of, uh, of me pursuing my career from Australia when I started playing the guitar to now. And it didn't turn out, it turned out to be something else. So I took that concept and made the whole album that. So what the album is basically is uh, turning points in my life, either relationships that, that turn me in a certain direction or help point me in a certain direction or just things that happened to me that led me to where I am now. So the whole album is, is like high and low points through my life and, and changes that happened to me. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. I come on, muster it and strong, throw a question to a kiss. She said she had a little much to drink, she didn't usually do this. But she was looking for another head to scalp tonight. And she had me right between the sights I turned the face and was a jukebox Cleaned up, playing a favorite song And she looked pretty in the lonely bar But something wasn't wrong I saw a dull red neon sign Flashing in her eyes It said they can see she had Sonny, it's round two of our album series for 2023. What do we have on tap for us today? Because this one belongs to you. This is this has got Hollywood written all over it. Because this is not a record that Stephen Michael is going to pick. What you have a problem with Rick Springfield? <laughs> Rick Springfield is one of my top 100 guys. And there's the first problem. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) If I had to put a list of singers down, he'd outrank Deal on my list. And there's the other problem. Exactly. Just saying. So every listener that we've cultivated over the past five years now has just hit delete on this episode they downloaded and uh, are going over to, you know, Lord knows who, what else. But no, in all fairness, I'm a Rick Springfield fan. Of course, we've talked about Rick Springfield before many times on this podcast. So today, your album selection is what? What are we doing today? 1983's Living in Oz. That's right. So if you're just joining us on this album for the album series of 2023, the idea is that we are celebrating albums that are celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. So we've selected 
different albums from different genres throughout the year, one a month. And like always, we're going to bring on a guest to kind of separate Sonny and I and our disagreements and separate the fights and send us to our corners and do whatever it is that they got to do to break us up. But tonight, we've got a returning guest many times on the podcast before, Brad Rustoven from the Slam Fest podcast. What's going on, Brad? Sonny and Steven, how are you guys doing? We're not fighting yet, so that's a good thing. Not yet. <laughs> well, you were before we hit record. So, Oh, if he calls this a pop record again, I'm going to fucking lose it. <laughs> All right, a pop rock record. <laughs> Any- good Lord. Anyway, we'll get into all that stuff. Brad, how's it going? Because the last time you were on the podcast was last year's album series. You did... Def Leppard, which one? Which one did you do? Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. <laughs> Drew the short straw. <laughs> this record, much better record than Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. But did Sonny give you your choice or did Sonny call you and tell you this is the record you're doing? And if it was your choice, why did you select it? I think, actually, I think maybe he said that it, it was this or a mystery pick from the listeners. <laughs> I think, unless there was another one, but I think that was the option. That's why I did it. Brad will do anything. I'm easy. Yeah, Yeah, I'm very easy. Songs from the Sparkle Lounge, right? So I'm. We've got a couple of Mikeys that I like to call them Mikeys, where they'll do anything. You're you're one of them. We've got a couple others that'll do anything, and so there are Mikey album series helpers. You know, special guest, I guess, whatever you want to call it, but Brad. To the listener that is just joining us from Under a Rock, tell us real quick about the Slam Fest podcast. Slam Fest podcast, we bring the premier rock concert pregaming experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. So I have tasked myself with going through my entire concert chronology, episode by episode. And as I see real-time shows, I slide those in as well. Talk about the concert set list, you know, go into some of the pregaming songs that we listen to prior to the show. And then we dive into the bands a little bit, do some album versus albums. And then the last segment of the show is a, which side are you on? I put side one versus side two of one of the bands on the bill. So things are going good. We drop Thursday mornings, unless I see a real time show and I need some extra time might drop on Friday, but normally it's Thursday mornings. And you've got how many episodes out there now? You got quite a few now, right? Yeah. So about 140. Yeah. So right now I'm in the middle of the summer of 2006 and diving into the common ground music festival, which is a a music festival that was in Lansing for uh, a dozen years or so. And I, I crossed a lot of bucket list artists off my list due to that, uh, that music festival. So I'm right in the middle of that right now. Yeah. I really enjoyed your spice girls, uh, retelling, <laughs> uh, concert story. That was fantastic. I'm just kidding. Brad doesn't hey, do that kind of stuff. No, but there's on my first episode, I think I said, Hey, I'm a music fan. It's good music or bad music is the way I look at it. So that's why I'm one of your Mikey's I'll, I'll do, uh, I'll do any, any artist, any genre, generally, I can I can dive into pretty much anything. <laughs> I did that to Tony. I said, I got this album left. Tony was one of the ones I called last, too. I said, I got this album left. He goes, what else is left? Two mystery picks. He's all, oh, hell no. I'll take that record. If you're wondering what the mystery picks are, so eventually Sonny's going to put a post out there, and we're going to let the listeners vote 
on two of the 12 albums that we're doing this year. And we put a list together and whittled that list down. So I think there are five choices or something like that. And out of the five choices, the listeners will select two of those choices. That's correct, right, Sonny? Yeah, something like that. I think on Twitter, we might only do four. Might only do four total, but... Yeah, yeah. so uh, Sonny will put a post eventually out there. Uh, There's no rush. This is only the second month in the series. And we've got all year. This is going to be one uh, month at the end of the month, just like the rest of the album series have been on Grown Up Rock. So we should definitely get into this. Are we ready to jump into this uh, Rick Springfield record? Let's go. So first off, let me ask you this. Brad, what's your history with Rick Springfield or this album in particular? So MTV Kid, when this album came out, I was 11 years old. So I think I remember probably the Jesse's Girl video on MTV or maybe um, I've done everything for you. You know, one of those two probably is what I saw first. I, I was also thinking whether my younger sister she had some posters in her room, but I, when I think about it a little bit harder, <laughs> I think it was Michael Jackson, and I think she had a Seven and the Ragged Tiger poster from Duran Duran, and not not a Rick Springfield one. Which I don't know, you know, were the younger I don't know if the younger girls were in this Rick Springfield, or was it you know mostly teenagers and and older? I guess I don't know the answer to that, but that's probably my background is is those videos. It was early early videos. Now, do you own this record? So I've never owned this record. I've seen Rick Springfield one time, and it was, imagine that, it was at the Common Ground Music Festival <laughs> in Lansing in 2011. And I remember going back and I listened, I think, to almost all of his, he's got a lot of records, but I went back and I think I listened to everything just leading up to that show. So I had probably only heard this album in its entirety prior to preparing for this one one time. I mean, the hits, you know, there's three songs on there that are decent hits, obviously, and I knew those. Right. Do you own any Rick Springfield? Just compilation. Just, Just the a compilation. Hits. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Sonny, how about you? So I come in the music 84. I had seen Jesse's Girl, I'm sure, on MTV, but it did not really sink in until I saw the video for Love Somebody. Dude, that song from the Hard to Hold soundtrack is so damn catchy. I don't remember it specifically, but I'm sure it stopped me in my tracks or whatever, whatever I was doing and go, what is that? Right. I remember, though, my mom saying, hey, that's Rick Springfield. I said, how would you possibly? All I see you watching is Bollywood movies and soap operas. And she goes, yeah, because he's in General Hospital. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? So I didn't connect until I saw the hard to hold movie, which was actually a couple of years later, probably 86, 87. I absolutely love that movie. It's a B movie. It's not a great movie for most people. I can tell you that right now. But if you have even a hint of a fandom for Rick Springfield, though, and his music, the movie is absolutely awesome. It came out the same year as Purple Rain. So I own everything Rick Springfield except for one album that I have not been able to find yet, and it's called Vault. That's the only Rick Springfield album I don't own. But it's one of a handful of artists I have never seen live. Somehow, I always miss them, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Wow. And this this last tour that he did would have been a great one to catch because it was him, Men at Work, and one other artist. Who was the other artist? I would have loved to have gone to the concert. It was a conflict for me at a certain time, but I've actually seen him 
two or three times. In fact, I referenced one of the tours. I actually ended up working production. Uh, and I want to say it was back in the, it had to be back in the mid to late eighties. So it may have been, when did Tao of Love come out? What year was that? I don't know why you keep calling it of love. It's what is just it? Tao. Tao. It's yeah, just called yeah. Tao. I think it's 85 because I think it goes Tao and then Rock of Life, I think. Yeah. So I think that was the tour. I'd have to go look at my passes. But anyway, you know, he put on a great show. It was a big arena rock show. And I discovered Rick Springfield, like many others, through Jesse's Girl. But I also had older siblings, sisters who were big general hospital fans. So they knew exactly who Dr. Noah Drake was, but that's really my only tie in from a general hospital perspective. I don't own, uh, well, I didn't own any full albums. I own compilation tapes, just like you, uh, had mentioned, Brad, I had greatest hits. I now own this record that we're going to discuss tonight. And I also own Tao and I also own uh, working class dog, of course, because that record's phenomenal. Uh, so that is my history and experience with uh, Rick Springfield. So let me yeah. ask you this real, real quick. Did Noah Drake influence Drake Ramore on Friends? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> Joey, that great Joey uh, character that he, yeah. that he was playing. How you doing? Yeah, <laughs> And I'll reference it a couple of times and I'll tell you what the title of the book is later, but he wrote a memoir and the story about General Hospital is pretty cool because, and he's got all kinds of stories about General Hospital in the book, but he had already been in the business for almost 10 years. He could not get arrested. He moved to the States to try to get his career going because after four or five years in Australia releasing albums, he had a couple of hits, but he couldn't like get anything going mm -hmm. during working class dog recordings, he gets this opportunity to act in general hospital because he had done like a, I think he had done like a Hulk episode and like a chips episode, you know, one of those things where he's kind of the extra or he's got a little scene or whatever. So he takes the gig with general hospital because he didn't think working class dog would sell. Mm -hmm. So right as Jesse's girl starts hitting, he doesn't want to give up this general hospital gig because he doesn't know when it's going to be over. And the next two or three years, so he's, how he says in the book is he's working on General Hospital from Monday morning to Friday afternoon, flying to a Friday night gig, flying to a different place Saturday night gig, different place Sunday night gig, getting up at five in the morning or wherever he's at and flying back to go do General Hospital for the next week. And that was his life for like almost two years. Yeah. And if, if you go watch the Dave Grohl documentary on Sound City, the guys that run Sound City, where he did a lot of his recording, helped him with his music career quite a bit. There's uh, several things in there with uh, Rick and the guys there at Sound City, which if you haven't seen that documentary, I encourage you to go watch it because it's a fantastic documentary. Dave Grohl really does a good job with documentaries. I love the way that he puts those things together. Even if it's something you're not interested in, you end up getting interested in it through music. So fantastic documentary on Sound City. But let's get into some of the basic facts for Living in Oz by Rick Springfield. So released April of 1983. Length of the album is 39 minutes, 19 seconds. The label is RCA Records. Producer is Bill Drescher. It was certified platinum and it peaked at number 12 on the Billboard 200. Singles from Living in Oz were Affair of the Heart, 
which was released in 83, Human Touch, which was released in June of 83, and Souls, which was released in October of 83. So sort of nice and spread out there to kind of, and I think all of those singles did fairly well. That's pretty much the basic facts. What do you guys think of the album art? There's not a lot to talk about here. It's a basic picture of Rick Springfield. What is your take on it, Sonny? Uh, well, it's a picture of a handsome man. <laughs> He's wearing a white shirt, leather vest. He's part hunk, part rocker, part Fonzie. I do. <laughs> All right. So that's TMI. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Brad Rustovin, would you or would you not do Rick Springfield on the album cover of Living in Oz? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you kidding? F- finally. After, what, three albums as a solo artist, finally they decide to put this face man's face on an album cover. I mean, working class dog, no wonder people weren't maybe buying it initially <laughs> based on the cover. And then success hasn't spoiled me yet. More dogs. He, he obviously must have a love for dogs. I think, is he the chauffeur on the cover of that one? He must. Yeah, be. yeah. His dog's name is Ronnie. He loves ah, him. There you yeah. go. There you go. So it, to me, it seems like, they, they forgot to like do this and they, oh, yeah, you know what? We need an album cover. And they t- took a picture of him. I don't think he's even shaven. Isn't he? I think it's a little bit of a. Uh, yeah. A five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, finally, you know, take advantage of <laughs> of his looks and put him on the on the album cover. Yeah. I think there's no doubt that the record company is trying to sell sex with the uh, picture Rick on the album cover. It is 1983. So, I mean, come on. It's perfect timing. I'm confident in my sexuality, but what I do, look, I don't look at dudes that way, but he is very Fonzie. I will give you that. (laughs) (laughs) Arthur Fonzarelli has definitely entered the picture on this uh, album cover. So uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, Those are the basic facts. Uh, You guys have anything to add to any of that that I forgot? So he's doing the same thing that Rod Stewart's doing, except Rod Stewart's actually a little bit older. He's 34 here, right? These guys are getting played as hunks in their mid to late thirties, basically. And they look, and I would not have known he was 34 in that picture. I mean, he's 34. Rod's a little bit older. If you consider like 75, a little bit older because God, Rod, uh, <laughs> Rod at the same time in 83, how old was Rod? He was, he had I think to be 38, 39, something like that. Yeah, at least. And he didn't look like he was 38, 39, right? So Still doesn't. This, the story of the <laughs> album cover, this was, supposedly Rick says it was his idea. He wanted to make sure that people knew this album was different. That's why he took Ronnie off the cover. Now he put Ronnie in the jacket. So when you look in the jacket, Ronnie's kind of running there, but the thought process was, I'm going to look different. I like the living in Oz. It looks like a, like an autograph almost how they wrote it. So I think that's cool. And I think Rick's right. I don't know a lot about general hospital. I'm going to tell you that right now, but he says general hospital helped him be a popular musician. And then Rick ended up helping General Hospital be popular, right? But he quit General Hospital right as this album got released. Because after two years of that BS that I was talking about earlier, he was done with it anyway. So I think people know over General Hospital, he was in two years. (laughs) The show's still going, I think. Oh, definitely. It's still (laughs) going. going. Oh, yeah. 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 I think he's he's also credited with all the songwriting except for Affair of the Heart. Yeah. Which is Danny Tate and Blaze Toasty or Tosty. I don't know how you pronounce that, but yeah. everything is him other than that song. 
Uh, the album, too, also has a noticeably different sound than your previous work. Were you specifically going for a different type of sound? Yeah. Uh, I, th I thought if I, if I, if I brought out an another uh, success hasn't spoiled me, that, that you know, that would pretty much be it. And, uh, success might have spoiled yeah, you. <laughs> it might have, you know. So, but uh, plus, I'd been listening to a lot of things, and there was a, there was a lot of directions that, that I that I saw open. And uh, and for the first time since Working Class Dog, I had a chance to become totally involved in it. But when I was doing Success hadn't spoiled me, I was working so much on all the other things, the TV and the touring and everything, that there's no way I, I could have been really. At, Act, as actively involved in the producing as I like to be. That's why, you know, because well, I think Keith's a great producer. Keith Olsen's a great producer, but that's why uh, this time I had the time, so I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to produce it and, and to, and I had sounds in my head that I, that I, that I uh, wanted to put on the record. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So, first track, single, Human Touch, topped out at number 18 on the Hot 100. Well, first of all, he wasted 30 seconds of my life because I didn't need that stupid intro at the beginning. But after that, the pre-chorus and chorus is catchy as hell. And I get it, the guitars aren't exactly heavy in the mix. But, man, is that song catchy. It's a great song. And not only did he waste 30 seconds at the beginning, he wasted a minute 30 
at the end. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a second. I know, I know Stephen makes fun of us for our uh, comments on intros and songs being too, too long and everything. What is that plucking sound at the beginning? Are those keyboards or is that someone plucking like yeah, the, the bridge bunk, of bunk. a guitar? Yeah. Bunk, is that, bunk. I yeah. think it, I think it's a scene. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's how it sounds a little cheesy, but yeah, I mean, that pre-chorus is fantastic. There's kind of that robotic voice yeah. in there, you know, uh, kind of going in with the, with the computer lyrics throughout but that underlying riff during the <laughs> the chorus this is a rock song steven it's a rock song steven a rock song with saxophone that's what this is <laughs> yeah okay well i don't mind <laughs> the intros it sets the mood and so i got no issue with intros like you guys do i absolutely love this song the course feels a little bit like a lot of pop courses at this time. For whatever reason, there's a Cars tune that comes to mind that sort of has the same feeling of course. Uh, and I want to say it's off the Heartbeat City, somewhere around there, but I can't, I can't name the Cars tune that I'm thinking of. I do find it interesting that a song about human touch, uh, where the song is about, you know, no drum machines, less computers, has a lot of computers and drum machines. Hey, drum machines. <laughs> so I find that a little bit interesting. I had to kind of chuckle to myself as I listened to that. But look, it's a fantastic pop rock song. Yes, it's a rock song, but it is a very much a pop song as well. So it's 80s pop goodness. I wonder if that's magic you're thinking of. From the cars, that be, riff, man. that riff kind of sounds like it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's that it's yeah. that chunk, chunk a chunk uh, yeah. type feel yep. in the course. Yeah, there's and then, John Cougar songs that had that, like Bruce had that. Like it's very popular, like that. In every song in the '80s, felt like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it feels very much like that time in the '80s, right? A lot of yeah. stuff that was coming out was very much this. I mean, love somebody had it. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which uh this and Love Somebody might be my favorite Rick Springfield songs in general. All right, so second song, we get Allison. And you know, <laughs> when you hear that a song is gonna be named after somebody, right? I first go to Amanda, right? That's usually what you know pops up. And I'm like, okay, if it if it's gonna be like Amanda, they got it right, but I've heard so many songs named after people that were not very good. <laughs> Luckily, he doesn't really accent Allison. It's just kind of part of the chorus, which I think makes it work because this could have been pretty damn cheesy otherwise. Right, Brett? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's the music, the verse music sounds like the police to me. It's oh, yeah. The reggae. The reggae. Yeah, the reggae stuff yeah. to it, right? And then he refers to her twice as Allie in the song. So it's funny. Initially, you're like, okay, is this some fling? Well, if he's referring to her as Allie, you know, it's more than just a fling is, is what I, I got out of it. And talking about her, either her boyfriend or husband. I don't know what he says and being in the front row <laughs> of the concert. So good song overall. It picks up uh, during the during the chorus. So so I like it uh, and a great solo in there. And again, we talked about Tim Pierce earlier. I don't know if that was before we hit record or, or afterwards, but 
who's playing the leads on these songs? Do we know? They're both credited with just guitars. Yeah. No, no, nothing lead. Do we know? My guess is it's mostly Tim because Tim was not only in his touring band, but he's a very qualified studio musician. And because they didn't have separate listings for certain guitar players playing certain solos, my guess is Tim played it all. One of the things that most people do not know about Rick Springfield, and he absolutely talks about in his book, homie has a serious sex addiction. He could not stop cheating on whoever he was with. And this is a song about that, right? So one of the things he was trying to do with Living in Oz is he wanted to do more personal songs. I would say in the end, some of them worked, some of them didn't to me, but they are all more personal instead of just trying to go write the next Jesse's Girl, right? And this one's a little bit deeper. Like, I, I like lines, uh, like just a little sexual tension under the guise of love. Like, those are simple but effective. 
and he got to kind of talk about his issues through a pop song, which and had a little, you know, what was that guitar solo, maybe 10 seconds, but it was enough to make it more rock. Mm -hmm. And I think he struggled with the credibility of being a rocker anyway with the rockers. Right. And like with the soap opera guys, everybody's like, ah, you're just going out there doing music. You're some rock guy that does soap operas. And then all, all the rockers like, ah, you're some soap guy trying to do rock. Like he can't win for losing, but somehow he gets hits in between. Right. So I kind of like the quick solo. Do you like the song, Steve? I do. I love the reggae feel at the beginning. I mean, I, I like that. I'm a sucker for the police. I like the police tunes and I like them because they have a mixture of that reggae feel. And I got to say, so I didn't know about the sex addiction thing, but I have to think that if you're a guy that looks like Rick Springfield, sex addiction is a dangerous thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next song we get is Affair of the Heart, which is the song that did the best on this album. It was a video single, hit the top 10 on the Hot 100. Brad, to me, third song in a row here, where the pre-chorus and the chorus is just all kinds of ooze. Like, there's, you can tell that Rick knows how to write a hook when he wants to. It might be the same hook over and over, but so what? ACDC does the same shit. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a great one, two, three punch and again like you said the underlying riff kind of during the pre-chorus and chorus yes yeah, somewhat similar to these other songs but hey if it ain't broke <laughs> don't fix it right I, the the keyboard intro i think is pretty cool but how about after the first chorus they go back and kind of redo that same key you know intro again yeah. and then yeah. kick into the next verse which i i found uh, found interesting this was also so he was nominated for a best male rock performance in 1983 for this oh, i don't know okay. if you guys i looked it up you want to hear who who was nominated oh yeah go for it <laughs> david bowie cat people putting out fire phil collins i don't care anymore bob seeger the distance and michael jackson beat it Oh shit! So he <laughs> lost to Michael. <laughs> he lost. He lost to Michael. He lost to Michael. But yeah, it's it's interesting. He was actually nominated for this like three or four years in a row. Wow! For wow. those for you know those big songs. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, so interesting. But yeah, he he's not beating Michael. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neither is anybody tough. else. <laughs> no, yeah. no. <laughs> Thank you. 
So Stephen, <laughs> this is kind of one. I've heard this song, I don't know, 500 times, probably, right? I could have swore that line was, have a little fun, fake believe, it's an affair of the heart. That is actually not the line. The line is, have a little blind faith, believe, it's an affair of the heart. But the way he says, blind faith, believe, I swear to God, it still sounds like fun, fake, believe to me. And I was wondering, I was like, I, I was wondering, like, fun, fake, believe. It's like, it's just making up words to jam together, like, hella stupid. But then I read the lyrics, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Life, faith, believe, I got you, I got you. Um, and then another song with a little guitar solo, right, Stephen? Yeah, so I remember this video a lot on MTV at the time. And the one part that sticks in the video is that very beginning thing where the, um, you know, it's got that little intro part and then the glass breaks and it goes, that thing, you know what I'm yep. talking about? So I remember yeah. that a lot. This is just pop goodness. It's a great course. If you're a fan of a well-crafted pop rock song, there's nothing to hate in this song. It's just a really, really well-written uh, song. I love it. And it's danceable. So you're crossing over to the pop charts and it's going to be in the clubs, right? Yep. So, yep. Hell yes. Who doesn't like to twerk to this song? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next song, well, he's from Australia. So the next song is the title track, Living in Oz. So that book I was talking about is called Late, Late at Night MMR. It is a great audio book. I listened to an audio book. Rick reads it. And there is just a lot of, like when you're done with the book, you're like, God, poor guy. <laughs> right? Like when you see the picture on the album, you're like, oh my God, this guy's getting pussy. He doesn't want it. And that's exactly what the problem is. People would kill to be somebody like that. Right? But when you're that, it's, sometimes it's not that easy. This song obviously is about his own addictions and that part he kind of got in there. But I kind of, Brad, liked the guitar lick, keyboard lick. I like that it was a guitar riff and then it became a keyboard riff. Yes. Did you like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the beginning of that song's got kind of that lead melody, lead fills in there, and then chugging riff. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I got down that it's kind of a rocker, but the chorus, I don't know. The chorus is kind of a mess. If that, is that the keys you're talking about? Because those keys sound chaotic. <laughs> right, the chorus. And the backing vocals, I think, are just kind of okay. Again, the, the guitar solo is ripping. Yes, Steve, yeah. I put ripping down on here for the solo sweet <laughs> but that i don't know that chorus uh, i didn't i didn't love with those swirling keyboards were kind of yeah. in my in my head so
So I'm listening today uh, just to get a fresh listen, Stephen. And I'm like, oh, this song is uh, it's Human Touch Part 2. That's what it is. So I feel a little bit differently. So after Human Touch, Allison, Affair of the Heart, when we get to Living in Oz on the album, to me, this was the first song that does not sound like the rest. This sounds like an attempt to really sort of rock out, maybe, to make it a little bit guitar-heavy versus the rest of the record. Obviously, uh, I'm talking about in contrast to the rest of the record. I think the guitar solo is really nice. It's quick, but it's ripping, as uh, my friend Brad pointed out. Again, I'm guessing that's Tim Pierce. I still like the tunes. I really like the vocal doubling part that is right before the solo break. You know what I'm talking about, where they double the uh, vocals up? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's a good song. I mean, I like it. I just feel like it's a little bit different than the first four songs on the record or the first three songs on the record, rather. Yeah. So next we get me and Johnny and Brad here. Here's where we get, all right, I get it. You want to write some songs about your personal life. This shit is forced. If this is supposed to be a ballad, this could be one of the worst ballads I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I mean, musically, I like it. The clean guitars work. There's some odd percussion in there. It almost sounds like someone's playing drums on their thighs (laughs) or, or something. But again, the music, I think, is good, but like you're saying, Sonny, the the lyrics and the the storytelling, I don't know. It, it does. It sounds forced. I like the shout out to the going to a Stones concert in verse two and singing the songs on the train on the way home. You know, that was, I, I always like when people kind of go back to that type of stuff, but the rest of this seemed forced. That's a, that is a good word for it.
is Stephen. I get it, right? He wants to get more personal and he's writing all this on the road, right? So uh, success hasn't spoiled me yet. The tour's going. He's writing most of these songs on the road because when's he got time? He's got General Hospital job too, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he, he doesn't really have time, but it feels like I, I'm surprised that the record company's probably not going to do anything because the guy's having hits. But I'm surprised like a producer or somebody doesn't come back and say, dude, not this. Like, don't, don't do this. Like, if you want to sing a ballad, let me get you a Diane Warren ballad that you will absolutely kill. And if you want to write one that's just as good, I'm in. But this ain't it. I can understand artists wanting to share a very personal part of their life. And I, I don't know whether this is a real story from Springfield or not. I mean, I have no clue. But what is it about songs like this they really have to be sold by the artist that's singing them. I believe these kind of songs from Jovi, from uh, Springsteen, those guys can sell me these kinds of songs because I don't know. I just, I believe it. I'm not buying this particular song from Rick Springfield. Uh, maybe it's forced, like you guys said, but it's just, there's something about it that I don't buy into. And, and I'm on the same page as you guys are. I mean, my notes for this song is, uh, meh, kind of boring. Yeah. And I think, and he does it a couple of times here in this album. He's trying to tell the story. He's literally telling a story. Right. John would cut this word out, make this word rhyme, hold this word out, like actually making a song. But, dude, you might as well just be grab a cup of tea and just tell a story. You basically just read a poem. <laughs> right. And shitty to say about something that's probably so personal to him, but it's just that's how it came out. Yeah. And I was just thinking the same thing. Like, as you said that, it's like for an artist to hear three bozos say something, because if it is real and it is personal, then that that's hurtful. That's super hurtful shit, uh, especially coming from three bozos like us. <laughs> so, Rick, I'm sorry, brother, but we don't buy Rick, it. <laughs> Rick, I'd say it about Jeff Tate, but we're not doing a Queensryche album right now. So if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> uh, maybe it's not Our, personal. Maybe it's made up. <laughs> um, so the next song, Motel Eyes, Brad, definitely one of the heavier songs on the record, no doubt. And, you know, about shit you run into at a bar. Can't, can't do much bad. Yeah. Yeah. Here, yeah. here comes that sex addiction thing again, yeah. right? So, you know, the, there's kind of that underlying, I want to, I call it the ZZ Top Eliminator synth thing that's just kind of underlying and driving during the, during the verse uh, initially as the song kind of kicks off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mid-tempo, but yeah, rocker. This has got to be the line of the song, right? I saw a dull red neon sign flashing in her eyes. It said, vacancy. <laughs> She had motel eyes. <laughs> that is absolutely so, awesome. Isn't that that is poetic right there? That's that's fantastic. What man no. doesn't want to see that. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I mean, it's a rocker, cool riffing leading into the solo outro riffing to end the song. Yeah, it's a it's a rocking song. Was looking for another head to scalp tonight, and she had me right between the sights. I turned the face and was a jukebox, clicked up, playing a favorite song. And she looked pretty in the lonely bar, but something wasn't wrong. I saw a dull 
Yeah, Stephen, I was thinking that, like, you know, you got these hardcore rockers that listen to us, and that's what we talk about, and at times we're hardcore rockers. You want to give Springfield a chance? You may want to start here, because it's more like straight-ahead rock, right? Yeah, this is definitely a rocker on the record. I like the pre-chorus a lot, and I like some of the time changes that come in this song. One of the things Brad referenced, and I'm going to reference it here as well, is I do find that that sequencer that they're running at the beginning that kind of runs throughout the song, I find that distracting at times. I find it taking away from some of the melodies and lyrics of the song. I mean, it's not enough for me to say I don't like the song. I'm just saying that it definitely is distracting at times. I think it disappears at some point too. I don't think it lasts the whole song. Maybe I'm misremembering. I think that, it but. gets, there's a couple of these songs where the synth kind of creates this wall of sound, but it's in the background and you kind and of it's lessened it. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's why it always sounds like there's a bunch of stuff going on. Right. Yeah. All right. So then we get to the next song, Tiger by the Tail. And, um, that whole deep, I grabbed the tiger. Oh, the tail. my God. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> good Lord. My kids would love this song. Like, sell it to Kids Bob 27 or something. But this song, Brad, brutal <laughs> song. So, so, where do I start with the song? <laughs> Uh, so initially, it kind of reminded me again of the police, yeah, right? The reggae, reggae. Right, right? A little bit of that. I even thought it sounded like Abracadabra from Steve Miller. A oh, bit. much better song. Yeah, much better song. <laughs> but then I realized, you know what this sounds like? This is one Shit. of his fellow Australians. <laughs> sounds like Men at Work a little oh, bit during the, I, during the verse. Not the, okay, not yeah. the bad pre-chorus, you know, I bit off more than I can chew in the low voice or whatever. <laughs> Again, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the reggae feel though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, it does. It kind of sounds like Men Without Hats. And then there's that little keyboard melody. It's cheesy as hell, but it, it is catchy. Not but Men Without the Hats. The song 
yeah, the kind of like men without kind of hats like, or men at work. No, well, men at work oh. is the verse, but that keyboard melody's "Pop Goes the World" by Men Without Hats. They had from, another song besides Safety Dance. <laughs> oh my God, dude, <laughs> Pop yes. Goes the World. <laughs> really? Sorry, years, didn't know. So sorry. <laughs> didn't mean didn't mean to diss your men at work or men, at, <laughs> men without hats. Oh my God, we're doing Men Without Hats next month, aren't we, Sonny? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, I was thinking, so you got this mess. And then you get this little cool guitar solo in the middle. Is that just... There has to be a guitar solo in most songs. It's still rock. It's got to feel like rock. And it is actually a little blistering of a solo <laughs> compared to the rest of the song that's Kids Bob. It's just, okay, here's here's my complete notes on this song, and this will probably sum it up. So yeah, the what fir- the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the first, the first notes are another reggae feel. Like I told you before, I always enjoy that. The course sucks. I hate the deep demonic voice that comes in. It's pointless and it ruins the complete feel of the whole song. Oh, but the solo is cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much my my uh, uh, notes in a, in a nutshell, which is exactly everything that you guys just said. I don't I don't even know if they're listening back to that where somebody is like, "Yeah, man, that sounds great." Awesome. Yeah. Who the hell? Okay, Mr. Producer, that was an epic fail because that's your job to be the voice of reason and go, no, Rick, this is stupid. We're not putting that in there. And you failed, dresser. I think that's your name. The voice, the deep voice comes back during the solo. It laughs and it says, yeah, "Yeah," a couple times or whatever. It's like, what are they doing? It's just stupid. It's not cool.
So the next song, Souls, as you mentioned earlier, Stephen, single, uh, got to number 23. This is the song that most people don't know that was popular. And honestly, it's very underrated. And I, you know, I'm a lyrics guy. And my here's my guess. My guess is to the tick, tick, ticking of time, got to beat the clock, was written first. But he also wanted to somewhere say between a rock and a hard place. So he changes the line to caught between a hard, hard place and a rock. So it rhymes with the ticking of the clock. Awesome. <laughs> Word craftsmanship. <laughs> it's, you know what? I mean, it's a, it's a good song. And at, at least on Apple Music, Tiger by the Tail, it was fading out. And this song yeah. starts. Is and that, the next one does the same yeah, thing. Yep. Is that yep. real? Okay. Yes. I didn't know That's that real. was streaming, you yep. know, something no. or other. But, uh, Sonny, my other note is your lyric comment. I'm like, <laughs> and caught between a hard, hard place and a rock. I'm like, oh, I see what they did there. <laughs> it's easier to rhyme rock. <laughs> than yes, it is. <laughs> Good Lord. If you're, especially if you're trying to rhyme it with clock. But great melodic solo. Again, there's some delay in the <laughs> rever- re- reverb in there. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And Stephen, I, I like the feel of the song, and I like that the pace picks up a couple of times. Yeah, it kicks in a couple of times. Yeah, me, definitely. Me too. Let me think about these lyrics. <laughs> caught between, so you want to hear it again? Caught between a hard, hard rock. Clock, hard, hard place and a rock. You have to say rock, place and a rock. Clock. What else can I rhyme besides <laughs> rock? <laughs> that goes with hard, hard. <laughs> Hard, hard rock. No, that doesn't work. Hard, hard. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, yeah. So this was the this was the one song that I forgot all about, like in the uh, Rick Springfield hits thing. Uh, so when I started going through this album and I saw Souls is on the record, I was like, okay, I don't remember what that song is. And when, when I got to it, I was like, okay this song i remember this song okay so i think this is a perfect song for this period of time in 83 like this this is the 80s right this song has that 80s feel i love this song it reminds me for whatever reason of that don johnson tune you guys know know which one yeah yeah beat of my heartbeat beat beat. oh yeah 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 that came two three years later so yeah Don ripped that shit. Yeah, it has that feel, but that's what it reminds me of. I think the course is great. Uh, I just, I, I enjoy this song. It's a good song. It all started here. She was a girl from the Midwest. He was a stranger in a strange land. Same old story. He came for the glory. She came looking for a young man's
working class dog a few years ago, you seem to be plagued, not to mean that derogatory, with uh, a teen idol type of following. And now it seems like you've consciously, maybe, I think, uh, gotten away from that. Have you intentionally done that? Well, see, my idea is not to turn anybody off, but it's I want to expand and go as far as I can. And to do that, for me to have the freedom to do that, it means having a, a wider audience range as I can get, because that's really where the longevity of a of an artist is. And it's not that I don't, you know, I don't want the little girls screaming after me or something. I mean, it's just whoever gets joy out of my music, that's what I'm doing it for. You know, I'm doing it to give myself joy, you know, to give myself pleasure and because it's a great release for me and the same for other people and because it pays, all right? But <laughs> <laughs> realistically, it's, it's, a, it's a release that it gives me. And for me to, to be able to stay around long enough to to do all the things I want to do and to experiment and because and, I mean it's just limitless really the places to go I have to broaden my audience to stay around because a, a, a lot of the teen like the teen magazines it's 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 really it's a case of this month's flavor you know and uh, and already I'm I'm last year's flavor in the teen magazines everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell and we want to hear yours so go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Okay, two songs left. Next song we get is I Can't Stop Hurting You. Brad, the L.A. Times review was an album about nothing. <laughs> they must have heard this song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Again, we talked about it, right? This the other song ends and this one's starting, which is kind of interesting. I think the riff is pretty good. Lots of space in there, but the chorus I think is lazy because they're just repeating. He's just repeating lines. I love you. I love you. I love you. But, I, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I can't, I can't. Uh, lazy. The, to me, that's lazy uh, songwriting. And then later they, I need to, I need to, I need to. Great solo, though. <laughs> Great solo. But other than that, doesn't do anything for me. She looked at me with eyes that cut right through me and said, You must be blind. Let me tell you a little something about yourself You're the hurting kind 
see you packing up all your precious little things It means so much to you I heard you now you're moving out again But we know just what you'll do We'll see the error of our ways in crime Look into your door of promises will change this time I love you, I love you Stephen in here's I think the message and the the story would be great for a song but if you're going to kind of force it and not really write a melody to it then you kind of get this <laughs> yeah so my notes on this were not sure I liked the course and you guys singing it to me just made me realize <laughs> why I didn't like it I don't like that feel and this one, this is going to be weird. And I, I don't know that anybody's going to understand what the hell I'm talking about here or identify with what That's I'm normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what I'm trying to uh, talk about here. But for whatever reason, this song in places reminds me and has a feel, not sounds like, but has a feel of Dirty Diane by uh, Michael Jackson. And you know, that's a uh, Dirty that's Diane. A dirty Diane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. Okay, so the, where it has where it has the feel is it gets heavy, but then the verses are sort of plodding along. And Dirty Diana, if you listen to it, it does sort of the same thing. It gets really heavy, and then the verses are sort of just kind of plodding and moving along. I do like the time change going into the solo break, but overall, like I didn't hate this song but I couldn't honestly say that I really liked it. And then the final song, Like Father, Like Son. God, these albums that end with a thud, right? Just, I get it. And in his book, he talks a lot about, hey, my dad did all these things and I kind of ended up doing the same thing. I got it. I like the subject matter. That isn't the problem. And that whole Mother Mary take the pain away, like where he's there vocally, I think is great. But this this song's a tough listen. I was hoping it was going to kick in, Brad. <laughs> yeah, never never does, right? It's just vocal and orchestration for three minutes or however long this is. I I think it's I, I don't like ending on this note, but it, to me it's kind of bold for him. So I, I kind of give him some credit for doing. I mean, it's just his vocal with all of that orchestration going on, and the subject matter is you know, is, is tough, you know, fear of God and the fear of the rod will raise a good boy. Okay. You know, that's, that's uh that's some tough subject matter in there. And so I, I give him credit for, for putting it on the album. Is it about him? I guess 
you, yeah, you know I'm assuming that? so. Yeah, I'm assuming. Okay, so you know, I'll give him credit for that, but not not a great way to end the album, in my view. And Stephen, this is what I was talking about before. Is all right. So you want to tell the story, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to sound like a story. Like if Luther Vandross was doing this, <laughs> you would hear the vocal prowess, and you, I mean, it would be soaring. And even if it was just the instrument. And it was all stripped down. Luther's voice would be crazy all over this. But you would have to take about 80% of the words out. Like, you can't just tell a story. It's like reading page 327. Like, uh, really? Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on with this song. I mean, it's simple orchestration and lyrics. Yeah, I mean, I, I reference the same thing. The line, the same line stuck out for me, Brad. The fear of God and the feel of the rod will raise a good boy. I mean, I wrote, maybe it's autobiographical with a question mark because I don't know, but, uh, Sonny, it sounds like he, he confirms that in the book. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just not, there's nothing it's again, it's sort of like the last song where it's like, I don't hate it. I mean, there are far more songs that I would, uh, can hate on before this one, but it's not, it's also just not anything that I'm like, yeah, I'll really remember this at the end of this record. It's not, (laughs) you know, it's two minutes and 57 seconds, which the great thing about this record is the majority of it are nice, you know, uh, quick in and out type songs, you know, three minute songs, which I, I love, I love that in anything rock or, or, uh, pop, it doesn't matter, uh, for the most part, but yeah, it's not a great record ender for me. He was raised in the English way His daddy taught him respect He taught him how to pray They sent him off to boarding school Where he learned how to live by someone else's rule And he went to confession He went to confession Holy Father washed my sins away And he went to confession So real, real quick, over lunch today, as I was, I was listening to this album, but I was also doing some, just reading, you know, trying to find some stuff out about, about Rick. But I came across a rickspringfield.us website, and it's Rick Springfield and Us, a fan-based website. And if you click on the music, you click, click on the albums, there is all kinds of information about these songs. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I was bummed that I just found it today at lunch. I'm like, there's no way I can read all of this. I mean, they've got the lyrics, but they've got fans 
interpreting it and they they're yeah. you know grabbing stuff from interviews and all there's all kinds of information about these songs so i'm sure there's <laughs> there's probably probably some details in there uh, that you could you could read up on but it was it was uh, quite uh, expansive so pretty cool oh that's cool yeah all right that's the album let's get to a top two bottom two i'll start here bottom two is easy target by the tail good <laughs> lord and like father like sons that was easy the top two, I got to make it three. And it's for whoever's fault it was to let Tiger by the tail and like father, like son be on the album. That person should be shot. The person who came up with the three singles should be revered because they picked the three best songs on this album. Absolutely. No doubt. My opinion, souls is three human touches two. affair of the hearts. Number one for me, Brad, how about you? So tiger by the tail and I can't stop hurting you. Uh, or at the bottom for me. And, you know, I, I hate going with the singles, but they're, <laughs> but they're such great songs, oh, but, but you, you, you make a great point, Sonny. So, I mean, I, I'd list those three as well, but I'd go souls at three affair of the heart at two and human touch number one. Oh, okay. So it's up a little. Yeah. Steven, how about you? Uh, so bottom two for me is going to be tiger by the tail and me and Johnny just meh. And uh, top two is Human Touch. And then really, honestly, Affair of the Heart and Souls for me are both fantastic. Uh, so I put them pretty much uh, even on my pick. But definitely, without a doubt, the uh, top three singles on this record are the ones. And I think I think where this record suffers a little bit is because it is so top heavy. Like the majority of that stuff is really up top, right? I mean, yeah. you get such great stuff at the front part of that record that by the time you get to the last song on the record, it's kind of like, when is this thing going to start over? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's connect it to Kiss real quick. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your Historic Moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the Historic Moment, since we're talking 1983 albums, we'll stick with a song that connects to Lick It Up that was released in 83. And we're going to go with a band called Planeswalker. And supposedly they're from Sacramento. I ain't never heard of these people, but suppose maybe Tony has. I don't know. They released an album in January 22 called Tales of Magic. Seven songs, 46 minutes. That tells you everything you need to know about Tales of Magic. Yikes. Some of the songs on the album are very symphonic metal, very musical theater type stuff. I didn't know that was big in Sacramento. That's why I never heard of these guys. But they do one cover song, a Kiss song. So here is Taylor Washington on lead guitar, Chelsea McMasters on bass, Alex Bozin on drums, Jason Ashcraft on guitar, and a guy named Sozo's Michael on vocals with their version of a million to one guys. Good luck with that one.
I'm not related to Sozos. <laughs> so let me just put that out there right now. Sozos, Michael, I don't know him. Uh, yeah, okay. I wanted to like this because I like uh, A Million to One, the original A Million to One a lot. But I don't know. There's something off-putting about this version uh, that didn't work for me. And I can't really put my finger on it because I haven't listened to it a million times. But upon going through it a couple times, there was just something that didn't work for me in this uh, particular version. Yeah, I'll tell you 100% what it is. We'll see if Brad agrees with me. It's missing Paul's passion, right? The energy is just flat, right, Brad? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, during the outro, you know, yeah. Paul, Paul's interjections during the original are passionate, like you're saying, and, and he's going for it. This guy's not going for it. And it just, yeah, it doesn't have the doesn't have the same feel. I mean, again, for covers, I like it when a band keeps it somewhat similar, obviously, to the original, but, you know, let them interpret it a little bit and put their stamp on it. I, I like the music. Yeah. And at times, he kind of sounds like Todd Kearns, so, just at times. Yeah. But uh, they, these additional backing vocals that they bring in during ver- verse two is just a mess. Oh, yeah. Toes are sides. Yeah. There's all this. Understood. Like under- if somebody was doing it two octaves higher, that would have been awesome. <laughs> right. But they weren't. <laughs> no, so, not. yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't work. So just wrapping up this and uh, kind of go first, final thoughts for me. For me, Rick Springfield can rock and he can write songs. Guy's a true talent, music and acting. And there's not a lot of people in his, uh, entertainment history that can say that. And, you know, you got the Johnny Depps and the Kevin Bacons of the world that are out there trying to be rock stars, but they can't write number one hits. And this dude did it, right? So is he a better actor than he is a rock star? I don't know. I actually enjoy his acting. I never watched General Hospital, but I've seen him in the movies, obviously. And that whole Ricky and Flash, it was like the last movie he was in, which is probably about 10 years ago. It was good. And I enjoy his music. So the guy's got the best of both worlds. He's probably, since he didn't choose one or the other, he gets punched in the head by both sides, right? So guy is what it is. I think he would tell you that he's a musician first. I think the acting is just a secondary thing. Obviously, he spends the majority of his time in in music more so than anything else. He doesn't spend a whole lot of time in acting. If you are a fan of power pop, be it Cheap Trick or whatever, just insert power pop band, Rick Springfield does an amazing job at crafting what I consider power pop rock songs. He is a rock and roll artist. No matter what anybody says, I just attach pop to it because his songs are radio friendly. And the way that he crafts those songs, the courses, the pre-courses, the melodies, it fits that description. I like a lot of Rick Springfield's stuff. And going through this record from start to finish has been fun for me. There's, there's a lot of good stuff on here. I think, like I said earlier, this song suffers or this album suffers from being so top heavy. Maybe they spread out the hits a little bit better so that it's not so heavily weighted at the top might've helped uh, the flow of this record, but overall it's a good record. Yeah. Brad, the, the story goes. So after uh success has spoiled me at, is a hit. He has hits on this album. They come to him and say, Hey, we want you to do a movie. We're going to call it hard to hold. It's like, all right, well, give me the script because this movie is about being a rock star. Nobody's going to take me seriously. Like, I don't want to do this movie. I just got done with general hospital. You guys going to throw me right back to the guy can't act. So he's got to go be himself. 
<laughs> the director goes and pays $1.5 million. Where you want me to be? <laughs> when, when did you want me? <laughs> yeah, I think that movie made money too. Oh yeah, it did. I think it, yeah. I think it did. But and Sonny, you've talked about Rick Springfield before on your uh, on the podcast and you know, his hits are undeniable. You know, if you don't have his greatest hits in your collection, you're <laughs> you're missing out. And I mean that show I saw in 2011, I think it was what Venus and Overdrive, I think okay. is the album that that was preceding that i think that was a couple of years before that but he played some new songs and i liked them i mean I, I went back and kind of found a couple of those those songs that he had played uh live and and i enjoyed those those songs as well so yeah again get his comp- compilation and uh enjoy it it's good stuff so one question for you sonny one question i've done everything for you rick or sammy's version Rick, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because I heard Rick do it first, yes. and then when I heard Sammy's version, I'm like, "Whoa, and, yeah!" And there's some differences, you know. He's got that descending riffing Rick does during the yeah. verses, which is, you know, and it just it has a different feel. It just does. Hearing anybody else do Sammy's song first, or Sammy doing covers. It doesn't usually come out like even take a little piece of my heart, like Sammy. I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? Just do your own song. Right. So, but I can understand Sammy, like, couldn't get that song heard by anybody. And you hand it to this goddamn soap opera guy and he makes it a hit. Okay. Uh, good stuff. But, uh, Stephen, I think you would agree and I'll let you wrap it up. But, you know, us rockers, it's okay if you listen to Brian Adams, John Cougar. Rick Springfield, Lover Boy, like they're all in this like weird place where they're not hard rock, but they still do rock. The 16-year-old Stephen Michael would have never owned up to that and called you an idiot. But none of us, and I mean none of us, none of us three here, none of us, none of our listeners out there, we ain't got no 16-year-old listeners, I guarantee it, but we're all you know, old enough to now come forward and say, you know what? We love this stuff. We love Elvis or Rick Springfield or Brian Adams or Holland Oates or Prince or whatever, whatever it is. Everybody's got different taste. I think we just all sort of gravitate towards the heavier side of things because that was a big part of our growing up rock years, right? Those high school years, those early college years, whatever it is. But I mean, I go back and listen to a pop band record once in a while, or, you know, uh, I, I, what was I listening to the other, other day that I just thought was brilliant was that butter song by the Korean pop band KTS or whatever it is. It's BTS. BTS, that band. I don't look, I don't know the names. Not like I follow these bands on Instagram, but yeah, that song pop genius like the melody and everything to that song is just pop genius such a well-written song and that kind of stuff i mean so yeah you know whatever it's good to have variety that's all i'm saying (laughs) but brad you're not cool unless you listen to anthrax and overkill and pantera (laughs) and that's all yeah you can't have a soft side at all right it's not even necessarily a soft side. It's just, I mean, I guess compared to Overkill and, uh, you know, Metallica, let's talk about Lux or Turna and then turn around and talk about Affair of the Heart. Why not? You know, I'm a Slayer fan. I've never seen a woman, but, you know, Slayer rocks. Uh, don't insult Slayer fans. 
<laughs> we know some of them. <laughs> or a Rush fan. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's still Rush. Right. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's good. This is what this year is going to be. There's going to be a little bit of metal, a little bit of this, uh, pop, rock, and roll. There's even going to be possibly a little pop further on down the road. Who knows? But this year is going to be fun because we're celebrating albums that are celebrating 40 years and uh we've got some great guests coming on to help us do that brad was one of them and so brad once again from the slam fest podcast thanks for coming on and doing rick springfield's living in oz for the month of february absolutely i'm, I'm really looking forward to what <laughs> what albums you guys are going to be doing the rest of the year so that'll be uh that'll be great to anticipate and because like sunny said there are so many there's so many there's a ton of stuff and we could have done really popular records but i think we've got you know there's a couple of popular ones in there but there's also some eclectic ones i would consider you know living in oz even though it had three hits it's it's a left of center record for something like the grown-up rock podcast and you know crocus which was the first one headhunter that we did in january i mean that's definitely hard rock metal record but it's not it's not something that was so popular that everybody knows it so there's going to be all kinds of stuff this year and i think it's going to be fun and and definitely interesting one of the more interesting ones we've done because we're not focusing on one band yeah absolutely so yeah so thanks for reaching out to me sonny even i'll be at last <laughs> But I'm always I'm always here for you guys. Anytime you need need somebody to come on, I'll I'll come on and talk about music. So thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. Appreciate it, Mikey. Sonny, you got anything <laughs> to add before we get up on out of here? Thanks for listening. Rick Springfield's greatest hits. If you haven't heard it in a while, a great greatest hits album. That's it. Thanks for everybody listening. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 